Morning, Westridge. Good to be here with you in person and online as we continue our Wrestling with God series. Now, I know that uh, things don't always work out like we planned them to, right? So, I mean, wrestling with God is a very real thing. And we're going to address this truth today with the topic, uh, when your faith is failing. Now, we've all had those moments where we wonder what God's doing. Now, we look at the world around us, we see chaos taking place, or we encounter challenges personally that uh, are so much larger than anything we can handle on our own. And so we, we all can understand times when our faith is rocked by circumstances around us. Now, I was talking with Darla, my wife, uh, when I received this topic, and you know, I was raised in a family of faith. I, I'm a preacher's kid, and, and um, I'll, I'll be honest, I, was, I lived the stereotype of a preacher's kid, okay? I was, I was good on Sundays and the rest of the week. I did whatever Lance wanted to do, I mean, as I was, I was growing up. Uh, I'm, fly, I'm glad I finally let God get hold of me, though, because he did. Now, see, I knew about Jesus from my early years in life. I was baptized into him at age 10, I'm 63 years old now, and, and even though I, I chose at different times to do my own thing, I, I can't think of a time when I said, I just don't believe in this God stuff. I just, I just can't. So I asked my wife, I said, can you think of a time when, when I lost faith or lost confidence in God? And she thought about it. She said, uh, no, no. I say, even when you, she said, even when you face some pretty tough times, uh, you always believe God's going to get you through them. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I am no super follower of Jesus. I mean, I'm not. I, I struggle with doubt and anxiety and ask questions of the Father when things don't go like I think they should. I wrestle with God's action or, or inaction at times when I think he could or, or maybe even should step in. But let me tell you a story. I was pastoring a new church in Mantino, uh, Illinois. We had determined it was time to get out of the storefront building we were in because we'd outgrown it. So we were going to buy some land. We were going to put up a building. And I have a friend who, uh, who was a realtor. He had a two-and-a-half-acre parcel on the edge of town. And so we talked with him. We negotiated a price, and, and we set a closing date for the land. Uh, the week before it was closed, a week before, he decided to add a stipulation that said you can't build on that until it's all paid off, which was going to push us back another year. And I was mad when he put that stipulation in. I told him that. And, and he said, I'm not budgeting on that. He didn't. And so the deal fell through. We were left with no options. And I remember heading to a meeting that night the, the deal fell through. And I had a 45-minute trip to Munster, Indiana, for where I lived, and I just griped to God the entire 45 minutes. I said, what are you doing, Father? I said, we're trying to do this for you. We want to see people brought into Jesus. I don't get it, and I'm not happy. Yeah, 45 minutes. I used all, those time, all that time to complain because my plan had been derailed, and I couldn't see any other way this could possibly work out. You ever been there? You ever felt frustrated, helpless, feeling like God's uh, not listening or maybe he doesn't even care? Uh, those moments are times when the foundation of faith can begin to crack, and, and if we let the cracks continue to grow, uh, they will become holes that lead to destruction. And none of us want that to happen. 
So friends, I want you to know, we are going to be faced with challenges to faith. It is a reality. And some of these challenges are much easier to shake off than others. And I want you to know, though, when those unshakable times come, and they will, there is hope. For God never forsakes his children, and we're going to see this lived out in the life of Paul in Acts 16. In the midst of challenge, in the end, we pray, we pray. In Acts 16, verse 6 through 9, Paul encountered an obstacle to faith. Here's what we read. read. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. Now, here's what had happened previous to these of this. Paul and Barnabas had enjoyed a very fruitful missionary trip together. Uh, They planted a number of churches. They'd seen new followers of Jesus everywhere they went. They returned to their home church and had, had just told them, reported everything that God had done through them. And then came time for a second journey. Uh, However, the friendship of the two men fractured at this point in time. When Barnabas wanted to give Mark, and this is the Mark who wrote the second book of the New Testament, a second chance. You see, Mark had been their helper on the first missionary trip, and he'd lasted just a little bit of time before he went back home. I guess he got homesick, whatever it was, but he left them mid-trip. Barnabas wanted to take Mark again. Paul said, no, no, he deserted us. And their friendship fractured because of this. Paul got a team together, went one way. Barnabas took Mark and went to the island of Cyprus. That's the last we hear of Barnabas. Now, I'm sure there was some hurt here. But, but Paul determined that it was time to go into new territory and start more churches. So he received one stop sign after another from God. So there, I got a map up here for you. Okay, so he tried to go into Asia, first of all. So he started out over here. He went all the way through here. He tried to go to Asia to start churches. What happened? They said, well, let's try and go up here to Mysia. What happened? Both times, the Holy Spirit told Paul, no, you're not going there, and the borders were closed. And I'm sure Paul's a guy just like we are, and I'm sure he didn't get it. He probably said something like, hey, I'm trying to do this for you, Father. Why are you closing this door? Or maybe he said, hey, maybe I'm not right with doing this with a new team. Or maybe God's closing this chapter of ministry for me and I'm not doing this anymore. I don't know exactly what he did, but the doors were closed. Now, we're going to leave Paul in Troas for a couple of minutes here, okay? I brought something with me today. So, I brought this with me. Okay. Any idea what this is? It's not a hat. It's not a scarf. Any ideas? You know what this is? This is, I better get this back down where you can hear me. This is one of these. Uh, You see, this one started to go bad, and uh, my wife threw it away. And I thought, this needs rescuing, because this will be a perfect illustration at some point in time, right? Right? So so what I did, I, I began to pull on this thing that was coming apart anyway, and I, and I discovered something. At the center of this is a little circle that holds this whole thing together, a little circle of thread. And when you cut that circle, you know what happens? 
this is what happens. And this becomes no longer usable for its purpose. Now, why talk about that? Well, I realize that the circle, the center, makes all the difference in the world. And I realize that all of us are going to face times that have the potential to unravel us if we don't have the right center. So, Paul's situation reveals a problem to us. Uh, Hits to our faith have the potential to do this to our spiritual lives. So what are some of the unravelers we're going to face? I think loss is an unraveler. Paul understood this. He lost his partner in ministry. I'm sure when it came to them working together in partnership, they understood each other very well. I'm sure Barnabas could finish Paul's sentences when he gave a message. And Paul could do the same thing for Barnabas. And their typical method was to go into a Jewish synagogue and and they would go to people they think would be most receptive to hearing the message that Jesus was the Messiah they were waiting for. And they go there, and when they, if they didn't get receptivity there, they would go to non-Jewish people. But they worked together well. And with Barnabas gone, Paul's support was gone. You know, there are all kinds of loss that can affect our faith as followers of Jesus. When we lose a loved one or, or a friend, it, it can be challenging for us. I, I lost one of my best friends to cancer in April. Uh, Jim and I were in small groups together for years. We'd hunted together for a week every year for the last 15 years. And we worked together on a variety of projects together. And I told my family when he went into hospice, I said, this one's going to hurt. And it does. It does. See, loss can cause us to question God. Whether it's a relationship, a job we lose, our health, or even a plan that doesn't work out. When we don't process it effectively, a second unraveler, closed doors. Sometimes for whatever reason, God just says no. I don't understand it. We can have the best intentions in mind. We may have a plan that's perfect for everyone involved, but God says no. No, not now, not now. And it's hard to understand that answer. I mean, that was me on my way to that meeting after the land deal uh, collapsed. And I've had plenty of ones since then where where I just ask God, I I just tell him I I just don't get it because I think I have a pretty good handle on things. Even though God knows much more than I do. I, I read this just the other day. And uh, in fact, it was yesterday, and I was doing my Bible reading in the morning. I just thought it applies. I don't have it on the screen, but listen to this. Wisest man who ever ever, uh, lived wrote this. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. God knows a whole lot more than Lance does. But closed doors are frustrating because they mess with the schedule we've determined to best is best. I mean, doesn't it feel at times like the father's sense of urgency is different than ours? Uh, we feel like time's running out, like the sand's going through the hourglass, and if that, something doesn't happen right now, that window's going to close and we're done. Paul may have felt this way. 
as he encountered this no from the Spirit. Not once, but twice. So here's the problem. The hits, the loss we take, they can have the ability to unravel us. But Paul wasn't unraveled. I think he had the right center. So I want you to remember that there's something holding this puff together, right? There is that core that doesn't allow these things to escape. So what do we learn from Paul's example? Well, let's go to that one verse again. So they passed by Mysia, since the door was closed there, and went to Troas. Now, Troas was, was a seaport, okay? More on that in just a moment. There's a couple things I learned from looking at this verse here. First of all, Paul practiced trust. He chose to wait on God for the next chapter of ministry. So two attempts to go to new territory, two no's from God. Paul didn't quit on God. He, he didn't quit on his ministry. Paul went to where he could stop and just say, I'll wait for what come, what's coming next because I believe something's going to come. He trusted God. Uh, Billy Graham was once asked by a reporter, has God ever let you down? I love his response. Almost a couple of times. Okay? Hey, you, be, you, you understand that one, don't you? Okay? Again, our urgency often gets in the way of practicing trust. Now, you know what I like? I like instant answers to prayer. Don't you? I like short trials. Don't you? You know, I like 90-second rice. Right? I mean, you pop this in the microwave, you let it spin around for a minute and a half, and what do you have? A nice, hot thing, a bag of rice. It's all said. Now, is this as good as rice done in a pot? No. But it's quick. I like quick, don't you? And yet I realize that quick isn't always the answer for us, is it? When it comes to a no from God, God does know much more than I do. And he has something in mind, and I need to trust that reality. You know, I complained all the way to Munster about the deal that fell through. 45 minutes. But when I pulled into the parking lot, where I, told the, I told the father, I said, okay, I'm done complaining. I will not complain anymore on the trip home. And I didn't. In fact, there was, I still remember to this day, this was a long time ago, uh, a full moon out as I drove down the road, down I-57, back toward home. And uh, I just thank God for who he was. I thank God for, for what he was going to do, even though I said, hey, I, don't, I don't know what you're going to do, but I figure you're going to do something. See, trust is a choice. Uh, when we encounter those faith challenges, we, we either choose to trust or we choose not to trust. That's that really our, our two options. And so I just told God I trusted him. And that's the second thing we learned from Paul. He lived with hope. So why did he go to Troas? I really think it was because it was a seaport. And so he could jump off anywhere across the rest of the world from that seaport when the call, when the call from God came. And I believe he, he knew and he had that hope that God was going to come through with the next chapter. Now, hope is an attractive trait. And I was able to see this in the life, in the life of my friend Jim as he went through cancer. Hey, we've spent a lot of time together through the years. Like I said, in small group, hunting, working together, just talking, having a good time. 
And the last couple of years, he was diagnosed two and a half years ago. The last, those last two years, we, we had some real deep talks. But when hospice became a reality, uh, I, I knew I wanted to spend as much time with him as I could. Because like I said, he was, he was more than a friend. He was a brother. And so I scheduled a day each week to go to his house because I, I just wanted to be with him as much as I could. And we talked. We, we laughed. We cried. We recounted the fun things we did. We, we told stories that we told before and still just enjoyed. And we also talked about life beyond this life. You see, Jim was a follower of Jesus. And I remember one day he said to me, you know, I'm, Lance, I'm not afraid of what comes next, but I am a little anxious about what comes next. And I told him, I said, that's very understandable, bud. I mean, neither you or I have been where you're going. You're going to get there before I do. But it's understandable to be anxious. And he said, yeah, I said, I'm anxious. But he said, I know where I'm headed. He said, I know the password. I looked at him and said, Jesus? He said, Jesus. Hope. He, he lived with hope. And he died with hope. Because he knew where he was headed. And from the day he received that diagnosis to two and a half years later, hope was his, his, his watchword. And hope gets us through all sorts of unravelers because hope always trusts forward. It always anticipates God in action and that God's going to show up at some time. Look what happened to Paul. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So they jumped on a ship, went across the water, and went to the place God wanted them to be. See, that's the third thing I see about Paul. He was ready to move. When God called him, when God got his, gave him his assignment, Paul said, let's go now. And they did. And because he did, a new chapter of ministry opened, new churches were planted, and Paul and his team saw disciples made and lives changed forever because people encountered Jesus. In the midst of challenges, if we remain connected to the center, we will hold together and get through to the next chapter. And we're going to see answers to closed doors, even if we don't understand at the time, and even if God just says, hey, your, your answer right now is just trust me. Just trust me. So a month... After the land deal fell through, I was on vacation when I received a call from one of our leaders. Uh, they'd found another piece of ground about two blocks from where the first parcel was at. It was double the size, and it was half the price. And I got the word, and you know what I said? Oh, what do you say at times like that? Oh, I get it, Father. And I just said, thank you for, for saving us from stepping into something we weren't supposed to step into. And when I saw that action, when we saw that action, we, or that, that answer, we took action, we purchased the land, and we built the building. Now, I got a picture of it here. So every time I drive by, this is about six miles from my house. Every time I drive by that, it's a great reminder to me of the way that God is always at work and that his answers are always better than our answers. And that he's always watching out for us. Always. See, Faith unravelers are a reality. 
They are. So how do we address them? Well, uh, first of all, we, we prepare for them by developing core strength. Now, I, I've done a lot of reading. I've t- talked to personal trainers. There is the importance of, of the core training. Now, that what we do here affects so much more from our back strength. Our shoulder, it affects everything. And so the, the trainers say, work on your core. And I think what's true physically is also true spiritually. That the core is what holds us together. And so I, I want to encourage you to do some simple things. And I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in simple. I want to encourage you to, to open your Bibles up and read them in the weekend. It doesn't matter how much you read. Just get some food inside you and then talk to God about it. Now for me, it's, it, this, is a, this is a constant practice. I pray, I read, and I pray. And I pray and I read. And it's helped develop core strength. So when these challenging times come, and we're all going to get them, they don't derail us. So that's one. Two, choose hope and not despair. See, when doors slam shut, when loss takes, uh, takes place, hey, go ahead and complain. It's all right to complain. It's all right to ask God questions. But set a time limit for it, okay? And I think that's important. Don't let the complaining carry on forever. When you set that timeline, it's helped me, it's helped some of my friends. When it comes to those times, it makes sense. Complain and then, then move on, move on. Personally, I, I just choose to believe God's in control of things. Because either he is or he isn't. And those two conclusions lead to two totally different results. I choose to trust God. Trust begins with a choice. And thirdly, choose to move through the obstacle. There's always a next chapter for you who follow Jesus, always. And when we wait with hope, our eyes will see, will see opportunities coming. And when those opportunities come, then we just get to step into them. Hey, we're all going to face these times of potential unraveling. But putting the example of Paul into action will allow us to shine brightly in a world that needs to see hope lived out in a world that knows Followers of Jesus have something different. So let's live and hope differently, okay?